This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Woo! Christmas has come and the goose got fat. And please put a uh, hey penny. This seems like a rude song. Um, anyway, my point is this. Thank you so much for uh, listening today and this year, because this is our first of our annual best of episodes. We're running one this week and one next week. So please enjoy. And hey, Speaking of enjoying, join me on New Year's Eve at 6 p.m. Pacific for New Year's Steve, the New Year's Steve Spectacular. I am going to be hosting comics, chats, conversations, toasts with uh, folks that you love in the queer community. And it's a Zoom room that is free. Come join me, hang out, and let's welcome in 2021. I've been I mean, I'm 36. I only started dating women when I was 32. This is not that long ago. Um, But I also, like, when that first happened, I was like, you know, as I, as soon as I, like, it's, it's, it's very funny, too, because this thing just happened, and I'm like, it's only good. I'm like, whatever. People can, like, think whatever. Like, I posted something recently because it was, like, National Coming Out Day, it's oh, so yeah. funny. Like people, I'm like, I'm pretty open, but I, wait, what I did you do, post I, on? What did I you just like, was vaguely like, vague details. I just, it, so like the, we played with this, this like bit on the show when Abby dates a woman, which is like, um, the woman she dates gives her this hat. And we like talk about sexuality through like, Alana's like, so like, are you like, I didn't realize you wore hats. Like we like play with this thing. And I posted this photo of me with the me from the show. It's like me and that, that from that episode. And I was just like, you know, I try to just be like, recognize like, Oh, I am someone that like, I just didn't like, I didn't like, I feel like I was so like kind of, covered up and like blocked from like my own sexuality for like my whole life and didn't, didn't like, didn't allow myself to see it until I was in my thirties. So I'm like, listen, I just wrote something like it took, it took me so long to like realize this about myself, like to all the like late bloomers or whatever. And I think I got texts from like people I went to high school with and they were like, I'm so proud of you. Like this was like two days ago. (laughs) And I was like, I truly was like, what? I I didn't even, I was like, what's going on? Like for what? And they were like, (laughs) your post. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Well, I like, I guess whatever, regardless, I'm just all that to say, like, I think people just think I like came out like two days ago. ago. (laughs) And it's also like, for me, I'm like, I was like, do I like my, I feel like I would identify as like queer 
I, it's so, well, you didn't even ask this question, but it's been something I've been thinking about because of this fucking thing. Because like, I think the, um, what's the, the, like the bisexual, like invisibility, like that, that I'm like prone to be like, oh, I am bi, but I'm also like, I don't know why I feel like bisexual means like for me, anybody listening when I hear it, <laughs> I feel like it means like you're 50% this and you're, and I'm like, I feel more like that's changing all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm like, no, I'm like 80% into women. And sometimes I'm like, no, it is. You know what I mean? So I don't know. You didn't even ask, but that's like, what's been on my mind where I'm like, I don't, all this shit just like came out this week. I'm like, what's going on? High school friends. I also was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I feel like I've been like consistently putting out queer content, like pretty autobiographically. But I guess if you're not on top of it, you wouldn't know that about me. But I, I do think that people like maybe don't know that about me. I, I don't know. Well, I think there's like two things that I just want to mention here. One is the like buy thing. I mean, I totally hear you that 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 like I think that I think that is like I think like for people that were sort of like our age, like I actually think that is like sort of what was just the descriptor, the, the descriptive sort of nature of the thing, which is like almost that it's like, well, I just broke up with this person. So we know who's coming next. Like that was like very it, which also kind of is related to, you know, I think just like a, like we were not talking about the gender binary as much in, you know, like a sort of larger queer context. So I just think there's like a lot of, um, all of these identity, all of these identities are, have been shifting and are continuing to shift at like a really rapid rate, almost sort of, especially in the time frame that you're talking about, like the last four years. It's like, it makes sense to me <laughs> yeah. that you would also be like, I don't even know what the word is because it's like the last four years versus the five years before that, I think in terms of language, we're like on a rocket ship, like things right. are and really I, changing. And in terms of language, I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I don't know if you feel like this way as like someone who's like, public and I'm like, you know what? Like, do I, who am I? I don't need to define it for me. So I'm like, I don't need to define it for like, I'm like, it's fine. Whatever. As long as it's like positive, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fine. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Did I even answer your question? You were asking me, you were like, I yeah, wasn't going to have you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I just, well, it, I think it, it actually was related to what you just said. It wasn't about not wanting to have you, but it was like, I think that, I mean, I wonder if there's like two things going on. One is, you know, um, <laughs> homophobia made it so that like asking an actor about, I mean, this is still true. Like, I still think that there is like a media barrier between asking an actor who they're dating around like queerness I, I mean i think people can can ask the question but i do think that, like pr teams try to minimize that like i think that there are plenty of people who i know personally like have a pretty clear relationship history but who are still you know not publicly out because there is like yes it doesn't matter that it's 2020 there is still a lot of management around what things are shared when and in what way so i wonder if some of that almost like 
rebounded back on you. Like, that's why I didn't want to ask you because I was like, oh, I can't remember. Like, does she talk about this? You know, like, because some people don't. No, it's interesting. And I, um, I, I know, I feel the same way where I'm like, a, a lot of people don't, and it might be, it might also be like, I think a lot of that, which is unfortunate, are people that are like actors first and they don't want their, I don't, I, I, it's a shame because I'm like, I, like it, there's so, I feel like there's like so few people <laughs> that I'm like, I'm going to be like open about it. And like, I, I would want people like when my book came out, my friend Marja, who was this director that I w- had worked with was like, Cause it was like super, I like, it's called, I might regret this. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> but she was like, just think about like a little kid. Like, just think about like little kids, like not little kids, but like young people. Like there's not a ton of like public queer people. There are way more than there ever has been, but there's still like not a lot. Um, and so I was like, yeah, like that is another reason why I would want to do this. Like I would want to read this book. And I I kind of have always felt like stunted in my, you know, I feel like my life is like, this is like my major issue. My life is like very imbalanced. I like work a lot. And I like, I think that's why everything happened a little bit later. I was like, work, 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 works. This is success. I can do, you know what I mean? And, um, but I did have this experience, exactly what you're talking about. Like, I remember when my, when I did start dating women, my publicists were like, and we think that like, we think people might, like, I got a call like in the morning and I love my publicist. They were just, they were just like, okay, we think like, they, like people might know this. And I was like, fine. And then it was like, I truly like, was never going to make any like, announcement like my family knew everyone in my life knew but I wasn't going to um like the book was some but I was never gonna like do some sort of like tweet or whatever because I was like I'll just be you know and I was in her on a in a vanity fair interview on the phone about that movie that my friend Marsha directed called Six Balloons and the woman was like um which is, I was like, she was like, so like, I don't get it. Abby, you're like such a catch. <laughs> Sorry. It like cracked me. She's like, I don't get it. So like, you're such a catch. What kind of man are you into? Like, what's your type? And I was like, it was like time froze. And I was like, huh, this is like the moment where I like have to wow. choose to be like honest. And also it's like catching me so off guard because I wasn't like hiding anything, but I was like, this is like vanity fair. And then I stumbled through it so poorly. I was like, well, actually, um, I did men and women. And I said something like that. They didn't, it was like a joke and then it didn't go well, but it was like, fine. But that was like then used or that was like the poll quote or whatever. And I was like, fine, like, great. Because I didn't want, I would want people to know this about me, but it is such a like, it's weird. The the whole PR part of it is like a very weird thing. It sounds weird. 
I, I mean, <laughs> I would also add that like it's very funny because the Marja that you're talking about is Marja Lewis Ryan, who's the um, showrunner of the new L Word, and it does feel like that's the person who should tell you to uh, like like come out for the youth, me. The showrunner of the new word is the person. She was not <laughs> like, the L word. She was I not know, on that I, yet. But yes, she it wasn't was that like, yet. But it's no, just but nice to think back that down I, when we read, think about queer history. It's yeah, she read some of the. Truly, she she was someone. You know, I I sent a couple chapters of my book to her, and she was like, she was like, yeah, uh, even if there's one young girl that's going to read this, that will have been worth it. And I was like, Marge you know so yeah well i mean um okay two questions and i want to decide what you know maybe i'll just start with this you're talking about being 32 and you're talking about like uh work pushing you know sense of self away and all of and then you get to this moment and like i know what that moment was like for me where i had this like rushing in of understanding. I was 20. Um, and I wonder if it's like, like you go through a little bit of a second adolescence is at least, you know, my experience where it's like, yeah. Okay. So I'm 20, but I'm also 12 and I'm having both of those experiences at the same time because I've already dated, but this is new information. And I, I don't know what that gap is like if it's, if it's 32, you know, versus 20, because it's just like, you've, you've had like, I'm assuming full adult relationships, which by the time, you know, I was at 20, I had boyfriends that were my high school boyfriends, you know, they weren't like full adult relationships. So what was that like? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, like the long relationships, like the relationships in general for me is like, you would have, you would have, by you, I mean, me would have thought maybe at 30, like, or I'll go back. Like when I, um, when I sort of started dating women, it was this thing of, uh, I think when I'm into, when I, it was just dudes before this, but when I'm into somebody, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty like go after them the same way I would go after like a project, you know? Um, I'm like, I, I, I was very much like, I come up in the mentality of like, I'll ask I'm forward because I, I guess that's my insecurity of like, no one's coming at me. So I'll, that's, I don't know. And when I started dating women, it was very much like the only reason I'm not asking this person out that I'm clearly into the same way. It, like if they were a guy, I would have asked them out already. Like what, that's the only reason, like, this is bullshit. Like, why would I like, so here we go. And then I was like, Whoa, <laughs> I just did like, I was going to roll the coaster for the listeners. Cause I was like, Whoa, what? Um, and, and then I think after that, I think I was like, you know, Oh, maybe it was like, it was like me not fully like understanding my sexuality. And maybe it was like, me being interested in women that was like the the issues before with like me in relationships and like m- more like relationship intimacy not just like sex that and I'm like why why am i like not finding people like people i really want to like share my life with or whatever and it's like no it's not it's not based on 
that that's just like a me thing. So now it's, I'm sort of back to that again, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> that's, I also realized that, like, as I asked that question, it had like a really weird embedded assumption that I'm like, by the time you're 32, you've had like full adult relationship. Like, I don't even know. I just want to say that that is a wild thing to say to someone. And not I will that I say it was a thing that like, I, I, it slid off. But I will say just for also as someone who, I mean, I have had adult relationships. It's just like, I guess as someone who was like, never like, never really feeling like good at that. Like they, yeah, they happen, but I didn't really feel like great about it. I don't, then I don't feel like I'm like, I guess I would say I'm, I'm not really like a relationship person. Not that I wouldn't want to be, but I'm saying that also to people who would be listening. Yes. Because if you're in your thirties and you haven't, that's okay. Exactly. That's exactly what I, because I, I that is, myself, I that said. is a thing Abby that's kind of important this. to put out there that <laughs> yes. that's okay. And like, it doesn't, I don't know. I think that I'm someone who like goes back into the past and like spins and then you like let that dictate the future. And it's like, you're, we're here right now. You can move forward and have the relationships and it's fine. Yeah. I'm saying this for me too, because I, I mean, I, like I did like... clock that. I was like, cool, cool, cool. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> I also, I mean, it's, it's also funny because it's, you know, I think I am somebody who I like have, I've dated so many people like in a serious way. Like I'm just, I, I feel like I've had very few relationships that were like more cash um, that I think when I got married, I thought I would be like amazing at it because I'm like, look at all these serious relations. So I guess I just want to also say that um, you can have a ton of serious relationships and not know shit about shit. So that's the exciting thing about being a person is that you can always find out like, oh, I, uh, you know, I need to relearn a lot of things that I thought I knew. I think it's like, uh, I'm just trying to be like, it's all valid. It's all copy. It's all, <laughs> it's all like, I feel like I learned so much from like my independence. And also I think if like, if we would be like on opposite ends of that, like, I think people that are in like a lot of relationships often are like, oh, my independence is something I'm searching for. And like on my side, it's like, I have so much independence and I'm like searching for the other side. So there's always like another thing to like get better at kind of, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
How are you feeling about this sort of a sentiment? Like, are you seeing this around you? I, I feel like I am seeing this around me. Some like white, white gays. Yeah. Um, with the white gays, like white gays, <laughs> yes, giving it the, the real white gays. White gays. Yeah. And I talk about it often. Yes. <laughs> I'm just very curious about what your experience of that is like in this moment. Um, I've been talking about this quite a bit because I, and I, I've led with this and it's, it might be triggering for some, but I keep saying some of the most racist experiences that I have had have been inside of the queer community and specifically at the hands of white gay men. Uh, the most overt, harmful kind of racist behavior. So it is fascinating because I think what happens is that as queer people, we are an oppressed group, but then our white gays, uh, G-A-Y-S, oftentimes I think forget that their whiteness is still a privilege inside of it. And so as opposed to acknowledging that there's a privilege there and using that privilege to support the Black and Brown uh, and Asian and Latinx people in the community, especially Black uh, black and Brown trans women, it's like, no, 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 we're the same. We're equal. <laughs> we're, we're, the fight is the same. The fight is equal. And it's like, no, it, it's not. And what I keep trying to say is it's not like, no one is saying that your trauma isn't valid. No one is saying that your experiences of homophobia isn't valid. But what I am saying is there, there requires an awareness that somebody else in the community is also wrestling with homophobia and racism or homophobia, racism, and transphobia. And so there's just a couple more things that they're wading through that if you have the emotional capacity, especially if you've moved to New York and LA and you're living pretty freely, um, there are a lot of people in the community who are not. Uh, and to try and make their, uh, their experience equal to yours is just as harmful as when straight people try to do that to to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think what you're what you're describing is sort of what I would maybe think about as like trauma informed empathy. Yes. So you know, like if you are somebody who has been marginalized, um, that is a great opportunity to. Think about how you can hold the door open for folks who might be more marginalized. Yes. And it's actually, you know, a really wonderful uh, lens, you know, like superpower to be able to have the empathy of, okay, I know what it's like to be, to like feel unsafe, Mm -hmm. you know, like like to use that as the strength there. And I, but I don't often see... Well, I just don't see white people talking about it that way. So I think I think what you're touching on, which is so important, is that it, there's no point in that pain and that trauma if you can't turn it into empathy, right? Like, yeah. what is the purpose of going through all of that, like coming out and that pride and learning to love yourself, if you can't then develop the empathy to then use that space to help other people? Uh, and I think part of that is. A lot of times, and this is going to get super heady, um, our stories and our narrative and our identities are wrapped inside of the trauma and the suffering. And so mm-hmm. if you you relieve yourself of that, then who are you? Do you know? And so right. I, I think like for some white people in the gay community, especially that person to write that tweet, it's like, oh, if I take away your oppression, if I take away your suffering or lighten it a little bit, who are you? Like, are, are, yeah. who do you become now when you acknowledge that, oh, it might be a little bit easier for me than it is for 
this other person. And and that's a, like a mind fuck. <laughs> I might even have like a slightly more cynical view on it, which is Tell like, me. <laughs> you know, well, like at the end of the day, I really truly think that if you're a person that's, you know, I was, I was raised in the U S if you're a person who's raised in the U S like, yeah. you know, I think that you, um, I think that the idea that one wouldn't want the most wealth, the most control, mm-hmm. the most property that they are able to, that each individual person is able to attain in their lifetime. Like the idea that you would be raised here, that anyone would be raised here and say, you know, like the idea that somebody wouldn't capitalize on their privilege yes. seems yes. Um, very difficult for me to even square within myself. You know, mm-hmm. like I live in Los Angeles. I have a nice apartment. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm able to like weirdly, even though my job of being a stand-up comic like doesn't exist right now, I have been able to pivot into different opportunities to m- make money. And like for for another person who you know their job doesn't exist right now, that's not happening for them. So yes. have I been like turning down those opportunities? Have I been like saying like looking at the opportunity and going? somebody else doesn't get this and then turning it down. (laughs) Fucking no, you know, like, you know, and so I I just think there's, I think that's also a huge part of it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, it feels like sometimes this gets wrapped up and you're a bad person and it's truly not about like whether you're a good person or a bad person, you know, that, you know, your behaviors and you know, if you're that, but it is acknowledging that you have privilege. I keep saying I'm a black, gay, queer man. Yes, I'm in an oppressed group. At the same time, I also have privilege. I'm a man. That gives me some sense of privilege. Uh, I identify as gay and I'm cis. That gives me privilege. So, What about this? What about this? (laughs) Come on! Come on! It gives you you privilege. yeah, you got this. Got this you beautiful got, smile. You have a, you have a beautiful <laughs> smile. You know, this you got a you got a fancy smile. face, and the, I got you know? fancy face with a fancy name. Like, yeah. there are privileges, uh, and so to not acknowledge that uh, actually has you move in the world in more harmful ways because you're just unconsciously. Uh, reacting and responding from places of biasy, places of you being the most oppressed, as opposed to saying, I do have privilege and and here's the places that I can use it. And in this other area, yeah, I'm going to ask for that person to use their privilege to help me. Like it, mm-hmm. we have to like, it, it's always sounds so corny, but it's like, we're in this together. But for so long, everyone is like in their blinders. And it's like, it's just about me and what's in my space, which is a is a product of the conditioning of our society, right? It's always like oh, right. you you get yours, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you protect your right. family, and that's it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and and I would say that you know from that perspective, which is the a perspective I also uh, t- totally agree with. It's like then the answer is actually not turning down the job; it's taking the job and then using that to create an opportunity yes. for someone else. Yes. So yes. that's really you know what's being asked for I, as from, yes. from where from what i'm from where i'm looking it's you know using the opportunity creating for someone else yeah giving the, giving the space or like or saying you have actually already been doing the creating 
how can I be of service to that creation you've already been doing? Yeah, absolutely. And you see it in these small ways, which are like, okay, cool. Like no one's asking you to give up your social media platform or 7 million followers. But I am saying, can you use that to amplify somebody else? Can you use that to talk about somebody who may not be getting opportunities? Can you use that to highlight yeah. a Black business uh, that you shop at, that you're, that you're supporting? You know, that that is... No one's saying turn down the job, but we are saying when you get the job, what questions are you asking? Are you asking about, okay, well, who are the producers on this project? Or like, how can I make this set more diverse? I, you know, the, the actors who did the, I keep talking about it because it's such a big learning moment to me, the I Take Responsibility video, which is like, beautiful. Thank you for taking responsibility, but what are you going to do? And so like, to me, it's like, your apology is useless, but you, but if you say, I'm making sure that in my contract, when I go back to this show, we are going to make sure that this set is inclusive and that there are Black people in powerful positions and queer people. Okay, now Mm -hmm. you're using, you didn't have to turn down that job. You're using your power and your privilege in that job to create uh, equity and equality. And that's, I think, important. Yes, it really is. I am giggling. Do you want to talk about that video? <laughs> I, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet on the on the show. Do you want to talk about that video? It's I had to I had to cover I had to cover my face. I watched um, it several times as close to my face as possible because I found it quite entertaining. It was like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to cover my face just now thinking about it. It oh, wasn't currently it. <laughs> playing. It wasn't currently playing. Um, yeah, I mean, I I. Uh, well, I think I think what I mean what and I and I don't want to talk about this for too long, but yeah. I just think that what what that video highlighted um is like this moment this diff, this um thing that I'm noticing where uh like I think white pe- people seem to be very stressed out slash sad in this uh-huh. moment. Mm-hmm. And it seems that you know, again, these are like broad strokes, but from yes. what I am experiencing in the world, it seems that white people are feeling very stressed out and sad. And also, and it seems that black folks are feeling some amount of, of energized and relief and, oh my God, I'm being vaguely listened to. Yes. And so I just think that, I think white people are sort of having this experience off on our own of... Um, well, I've been calling it, I've been calling it white surprise, which is like, just like, there's like so much surprise going on that that seems to be really leading the charge. Yes. (laughs) That's actually brilliant. Yes. That's just, just, uh, it just, the full like shock and tears and pain and like, and you know, the dragging oneself like on one's belly as like to approach your camera and your phone to be like, wow, why? Yes, you yes, know, it just seems yes. that there's a lot of that going on, which, um, which makes sense, you know, like makes perfect sense. People didn't understand, you know, and that's, it's, there's a lot of surprise happening. Well, Maybe yeah. the surprise yeah. off camera, but that's just, yes. you know, but we're just yeah. <laughs> we're we're learning. We're learning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think what you know, 
it is white surprise. And part of that is very frustrating as a Black person to be like, okay, mm-hmm. but we have been talking about this for some time. So I don't know what the surprise is. But then also trying to, or at least for me, being, you know, like, oh, right. Like, we've all been conditioned. And at some point, there was a choice that I made. Like, because even as a Black person, I'm also absorbing the white supremacy. I'm also absorbing the representation. I'm also seeing how queer characters are represented and wondering if that's me, how Black characters are represented and wondering if that's me. So I'm also having that information. And then at some point... I think at age 20 or 21, getting curious about what I was uh, taking in, what I was absorbing and asking those questions. But for the most part, most of us don't ever get there. We kind of have these um, these values and these ideas that are instilled or indoctrinated in us as children, and we never question it. We get to adulthood and we never question, wait, why do I cross the street when I see a Black person? Why do I think, uh, why is my for gays, my preference only, uh, and I put that in heavy quotes, why am I, my preference of attraction only white dudes? Uh, what What is that about? Go ahead. I want to ask you a question about what you just said. Please. You, earlier, just to loop back to something that you were talking about earlier, and I, and I, and you know, you don't owe me like, or, or anybody, specific instances, unless you yeah. want to share anything, but you said early up top, you were talking about, um, you know, I've, I've experienced that uh, racism. I can't remember your phrasing. Yes. Like the word, like I've experienced the most racist, the most racism. Yeah. And, um, and it's not hard for me to imagine what you might be talking about, Yeah, but did you want to give any sort of broad strokes? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean like, you know, being asked if I wanted to be somebody's slave boy and not in a BDSM way, but also even if it was, you're talking to a black person. So that's triggering language. Uh, being referred to as Tyrone, um, being, uh, you know, if you upset somebody, being called the N-word, having somebody that I'm dating being accused of jungle fever, um, like all these things that you're just like, you would never say this to anyone in, uh, we, we know that this is unacceptable language and behavior in kind of a mainstream way, even if people do it in the privacy of their homes, which is another conversation, we know it's unacceptable. But for some reason inside of the queer community, it feels like, well, I'm also oppressed, so it's okay for me to say this to you because we're two oppressed people. And it's like, that's not how it works. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also wonder if it, like, when I think about, first of all, I'm so sorry, you know, to, like, hear about, I don't know if I, if I, uh, um, I think it's like, I think that when I, when I think about that, I think about, uh, ironic racism. I think, so what I, I think about this as like this, so from a comedy yes. perspective, you know, 10 years ago when, or maybe 15 years ago, there was this, there was this vibe um, amongst a lot of white comics mm-hmm. where if you say the thing, but you, but you mean it, like, but we're all, but we all know yes. my intentions. Yes. I can't really mean this. In fact, I'm saying this almost because I don't mean it, which covers that the intention is that it's actually... Mm. 
it, actually, you're saying exactly what you just said. Yes. There's just this <laughs> nice pretending going on. And yes. when I think about like specifically like gay cis male culture, mm-hmm. uh, that's something I have seen there is like that we're, g- we're like going over. And by the way, I think it, it exists in every like sure. LGBTQ subculture. I just think it looks a little different um, yes. in different places. <laughs> sure. But I think um, in this like, you know, whatever it is, Hell's Kitchen, Fire Island <laughs> yes. vibe. I feel West like Hollywood, it's that. Yes. Yeah, West, I feel like it's that thing of like, well, you know, I can't like I'm like I'm big and extreme on purpose. That's yeah. the whole point. Like, <laughs> yes. and I'm just and the, and it and this is falling under the category of that. Like, I don't know if that's how you've experienced yes. that, but that's certainly something I've seen, and it's so fucking amazing that like that white people have convinced ourselves that that pretending to be ironic works. Well, like, yeah, that's it's, just an amazing, congratulations You're like, wow, those delusions are real. Yeah, grand. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, literally, yeah. you're like, oh, well, I'm gay, so I can't be racist, so I'm going to go ahead and say the So I'll just be here. racist, <laughs> yeah. but people will think it's funny. You know, like, yeah. it's, and that's, that's the same thing. There's this big reckoning happening right now in stand-up where, like, dudes are being called out for being sexual predators. And mm-hmm. and it's like, wait, have you listened to anything this person has ever said? Because their whole act is like them being like, anyway, I'm a sexual predator. Good night. And then 20 <laughs> yeah. years later, people are like, like shocked. Whoa. How could we have deduced this? <laughs> yes, yes. Which to me, again, is the conditioning, right? We haven't been conditioned yeah. to critically think and to be like, Wait, what are you saying? Wait, what? I, wait, <laughs> why are you saying that? Like, it's like, oh, it's funny. Ha ha. Bye bye. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Get, we have to get curious about language and what people are saying and what they're sharing and how they're acting and whether or not that aligns with our values as people who are quote unquote good and people who are quote unquote liberal. Uh, and if it doesn't align, then you gotta speak up and say some shit. Because that was not a choice most people were making and that most casting directors were prioritizing and that most directors were prioritizing. Um, But then in in your new film, the main character has a a father and then they live in a town where... um, Massively white town. Yes. And so there's there's a very... That's a very different... um, relationship to race of course like for the character themselves of course i would also imagine that like i would imagine for any person of color maybe both of those things most maybe both of those experiences are possible i guess i wanted to know like in terms of how you grew up like were you the you know only chinese kid at your high school what was your what was your environment like growing up yeah, um, I, that's a great question, and, and a couple of things come to mind. Um, first of all, uh, despite the fact that my parents were very, like they're very recent immigrants, my mom was really kind of obsessed with this idea of my not becoming too quote-unquote American. Um, so we only spoke Mandarin at home, and certainly there's a Chinese community that we would see sometimes on the weekends, 
But as my parents are also kind of rising the economic ranks. So we're moving every few years, right? We're going from this crappy apartment to a slightly less crappy apartment, to a slightly less crappy apartment, to the first home, to a better home. And I will say that as they rose those ranks, the neighborhoods got wider and wider. Like my the first apartment I was born in, everybody was uh, Black or Chicano, actually. In fact, after Mandarin, the first language, apparently, I started speaking was Spanish. And my mom freaked out and was like, oh, my God, we have to, which is hilarious, but also just an honest commentary on like, look, I grew up and I adore my parents, but absolutely I grew up with racist, sexist and homophobic attitudes, which is hilarious because I'm an old Asian dyke now. But at the time, you know, there's that that's like a real part of of, I think, the American experience that a lot of times I want to be honest about, because unless you're, you are, are um, how do we work on those things? Um, but then as the environments got wider, I will say it became harder and harder for me to feel like I, I think I had I far more friends when I was younger. And as by the time I got to high school, I would have like three friends. <laughs> And it was a very lonely time. Um, and it wasn't until college that things opened up for me again. I was just going to ask, because this is all, when you were growing up, this is all in California, right? Different different places in California? We did live in Michigan, Michigan. in a very tiny town called Troy when I was very young, um, which was very white. My dad was working at the GM factory. Uh, but then we moved back to the Bay Area. And that was before Silicon Valley. So it wasn't the... You know, growing up in San Jose was like a very different situation than it is now. Um, but towards that, uh, and tell me if this is detouring, because I, it, why I chose to set the film um, where it is now is that, you know, I think the thing about my work, because as, as I think you were kind of alluding to, Saving Face and the half of it are really different sorts of films. I think the, my, my voice and the DNA of it are similar, but with Saving Face, I was trying to make the biggest romantic comedy I could on a tiny budget with all Asian American and Asian faces, right? Like for me, that felt interesting because we never got to see that. With the half of it, um, I, again, there's like a very commercial hook to it where you could easily set this in like a big high school in Orange County with all white characters. And it could be like a bring it on or a clueless, right? Like a much faster, broader comedy. And that could be great. Like there's a Sereno hook. It could be very much like a yep. girl, like, like that whole thing. And that that's great. But for me, I'm always like, but why would I make that movie? It feels like any number of other people could. Uh, so why, you know, like I'm not somebody who feels like the world owes me a movie and I should make a movie. Like, honestly, the world doesn't need another movie from me. Like, there's plenty of great content out there. So for me, I'm always very project-specific. Like, do I love this thing? And if I love this thing, I'm going to kill to get it made. But I also want to make it very specifically. And so in that sense, I'm like, well, if I'm going to make this... I mean, I started to write it when Trump had just been elected. And initially, I was thinking about... like, And it was also... Before, it was in that, a moment before Hollywood had, quote unquote, discovered diversity as they have in like the last <laughs> couple years. And I remember being like, well, I'm going to write this thing. It's probably going to take me another five years to get made, right? Like, I'm, but why the heck won't I make? I'm going to make the main character Chinese. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to do the way things the way I do them. And if it takes me five years or it takes me forever, it does. Um, but the, uh, 
one of the other things that happened is I was like, hey, I don't want to make this a period piece. You know, I don't want to be like, okay, when the late 80s and the 90s, like I wanted to be like, well, no, because let's face it, homophobia exists today. Immigrant bullying exists today. And on top of that, I, you know, when Trump got elected, I, it's not like I didn't know racism, sexism, and homophobia and transphobia don't exist in uh, the country. Obviously, I knew that. I think I was viscerally startled by how much of the country seemed relieved that they could now openly sort of, right. you know, express these views. And it made me wonder, like, well, wait a minute, you know, as somebody who fundamentally believes most people are good and that given the resources, most people would choose to do the decent thing, what does this mean? Does this mean whole stretches of the country are filled with, quote unquote, bad people? But that made me then think about the fact that if I'm incredibly honest, I grew up in a very conservative Chinese family and we were totally racist and sexist and homophobic, right? And like, are my parents bad? Um, and I, I, I don't, I, I really, my parents are wonderful people. Like I truly think they're good people. I think that they were born with very different attitudes, which since then they've come a long way. But being able to see that trajectory also gives me a level of um, maybe connection or empathy to parts of the country where I, I think like, well, you know, if that could happen in my family, why couldn't it happen in all these families? Yeah. And so that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to set this. I don't say it's Trump country because my goal of any of my films is like, again, with my creative team, I'm like, I have two touchstones. One is authenticity and one is timelessness. I don't want to lean too hard into the trends of the moment because then it dates the film. Right. Like, I'm very proud that you could watch Saving Face today and it still feels like relevant, right? And I want people to be able to watch the half of it in 15 years and still feel like, oh, these feel like, like you, you can still feel like there's, there's a sort of, again, timelessness to it. So I don't say Trump, but the reality is I purposely said it in Eastern Washington State in a very conservative white town that's Trump country. That's and interesting. Was- even just, I just want to break in and say, even just that is interesting because I think that, again, you know, in talking about your, your, like yearning for specificity, identifying Eastern Washington state as Trump country is not where most, it's not where we're taught. It's not where like the prevailing mindset when they would say Trump country, like as a nation, we're supposed to think about the South and like biscuits, you know, and we're supposed to think about a tension between black and white. And we're supposed to think about a racism toward President Obama specifically. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that is really an interesting choice because, you know, something I have done multiple multiple times. For, I've, I've been to like where this is set. Uh, and I have also, after Trump won election, I, I drove the five um, between Portland and Seattle. And that had, it's a, that's, a, that's a highway and it, it goes through, it starts, you know, it, Portland, Seattle, these like, I think if you've never even been there, the exported idea is that they are like white, progressive heaven or whatever. Um, the rural areas between there are covered in uh, Confederate flags, which is like there's Confederate flags painted everywhere, giant Confederate flags flopping off of uh, huge flagpoles that are in somebody's backyard. 
And I, and it just is, it's, it always strikes me because like, you weren't even, you guys, you weren't even part of this. Like this is, you clearly were not part of the Confederacy. So this is just flying a flag that says racism. Like there's like, there's not, mm-hmm. and I mean, of course that's always what the Confederate flag means, but sometimes what, you know, a very wily white person can like put it on a bikini and be like, no, it just means Florida or whatever. But like in Washington <laughs> state, it like definitely doesn't mean Florida, you know? So, um, I really appreciated that. And I think that that is the sort of specificity that makes the work make a lot of sense. And I will also just want to say before we keep going that, you know, you sort of talking about the, the like Cyrano arc and, and things about this movie that could be, I mean, I really, that's, I really even noticed that watching it. I was like, Oh, this is a movie that could just be like, in terms of plot points, it could just be totally different than this. There's, there's no inherent need for this to be this community, except that it makes the movie, I mean, in my opinion, much more interesting. And when I think about... I think there's more texture. Like yeah. the goal is to have more texture right. and to make the people feel authentic. Like I, I, this is a much more naturalistic movie than Saving Face, because Saving Face, I'm trying to do a broader romantic comedy. Right. But I think part of why Saving Face works or endures is the textures of the characters. Like that also, I mean, do you know how many people were like, this is a great story. We just got to cast it all white. Like we get Whoa, Reese Witherspoon yes, to play the daughter, Ellen Burstyn to play the mother. Like that is a very commercial hook. But my contention is because it's not just me being stubborn and being like, I want to put someone Chinese in there. I do think it makes it a better movie because I think it. this is the real America. You know, like in a way, I think my films are actually very, very American. And I think we forget, like pretty much everyone is an immigrant of some sort, not Mm -hmm. too far back, but we forget about that or some of us do. And my goal is to get somebody like to get like some straight conservative 60 year old white guy to relate to maybe a 17 year old potentially closeted Chinese immigrant girl or maybe her 50-year-old immigrant father, right? If I can do that, like anytime I can, anytime you can, anytime you can expand the human capacity for empathy, then like I've won, right? Like that's really, as a filmmaker, that's my primary goal. And for you to be like, God, I watch Saving Face and that feels like what I want. I I relate. These people feel real to me. And with the half of it, what I wanted is somebody in the heartland or maybe from one of these towns. And it's also part of why I went with Netflix because I had three financial possibilities and two of them would have meant theatrical. But that's a whole other story. But at the time, I was like, the truth is those people in those towns are not going to go to a landmark theater to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. There's probably not even a landmark theater. (laughs) But in the privacy of their own home, they might might press play. Yeah. 